0: institute of world mission podcast you're listening to the show for adventist cross cultural mission enthusiasts my name is alex ott and together with the iwm team we invite you to join us today this podcast is a production of the institute of world mission brought to you with support of the general conference missions family of ministries and services hi there friends Being engaged in cross-cultural missions, we often find ourselves on the very front line, so to say. On the front line where the battle between forces and evil is felt especially close and real to us. In today's interview with Dr. Bruce Bauer, we revisit this topic of spiritual warfare in the context of missions, of course, Dr. Bauer is a retired professor from Andrews University, but at the same time, he still actively teaches in Adventist universities and colleges worldwide, leads the Doctor in missiology program, and is heavily engaged in the production of the Journal of Adventist Mission Studies. Dr. Bauer has served in a number of locales in the world as a cross-cultural missionary throughout his years of service He developed a special interest in the topic of spiritual warfare. He sensed a great need among Adventist missionaries to tackle this challenge. And in this regard, we at the Institute of World Mission want to support him very much. With that, let's get straight to the interview. After it is over, I will share with you just a little bit more about one of the recent issues of JAMS, Journal of Adventist Mission Studies, related to this topic as well. Bruce, welcome to the IWM podcast.
1: Oh, I'm glad to be with you today. It's
0: good. So today we have uh, a very interesting topic to discuss, and uh, let me just uh, say a couple of words here. Uh, Our audience, Adventist missionaries often come into situations where we face a real spiritual battle between forces of evil and, um, and the powers of Jesus, and, and uh, the agents of the evil one, and the agents of Christ. This is very obvious in many, many situations. And it's especially true wherever the local culture is influenced or permeated by folk religion practices, animistic traditions, and so forth, Many times our reaction, what I've been observing, what a lot of us been observing, is basically even observing in myself, is to avoid, to go away, to run away from the spiritual controversy altogether. So, Would you please help us describe how evil spirits manifest themselves in folk religions, in majority world cultures? That will provide us some, some context.
1: Well, first of all, I think spirits are contextual. How is that? In America, they may act very different than they would maybe in Africa or India or someplace like that.
0: They take culture more seriously, huh?
1: (laughs) They do. (laughs) You know, I think in America, evil spirits are very careful not to uh, become too well-known, but they're very obviously uh, present in the lives of many people in, in Western secular countries just as much as we would maybe see them in India or in Africa, but they manifest themselves in different ways. Uh, of course, you have the biblical model where they screeched and screamed and mm-hmm. cut themselves and had uh, extraordinary strength. I like to think of uh, demonization, and I don't like the word demon possession. I like the word demonization.
0: What's the difference there?
1: Possession gives the, uh, the idea that the spirits are in total control, speaking through the person, causing them to do bizarre behavior. Okay. Whereas demonization could be, I like to think of it from 1 to 10. 1 to 3 at the lower levels of demonization, a person acts very normal. Uh, you don't see any flashes of demons coming through the eyes or the actions. In the mid-range, maybe occasionally, something will happen you'll say, Oh, that's weird and but it's over at seven eight nine ten at the extreme upper levels of of the scale that we would say possessed okay. where the demons are actually speaking through the person the eyes are wild they have extraordinary strength things like that
0: all right now a little bit closer to the majority world cultures then uh, what kind of manifestations or culturally uh, adapted ways have i mean that's maybe a wrong way to put it, but how is it being manifested in, uh, in the rest of the
1: world? Well, I think in many parts of the world you have curses okay, where bad things happen to people because of curses and that are being uh, placed on a person through witch doctors and people like that. Uh, this is one way that uh, evil powers are manifested. Uh, you ask, how, how does it show up in a person? Well, I think the eyes, the eyes are the window to the soul. If you see a demonized person, it's very easy to see that the eyes do not look human. They, they look, uh, they could be filled with uh, rage, mockery, lust, anger. But there's something... Intense evil emotions. Yes, yes. And uh, that's one way, a lot of times through the voice... Maybe in normal conversation, the person is a very kind, gentle person, but when a spirit speaks through them, it may be a a man's voice in a woman or a woman's voice in a man or the content may be very different where uh, a person who normally has cultured speech could be using very crude, vulgar language. uh, So this would be another way that it would manifest. Extraordinary strength. Mm -hmm. uh, Inability to say the name of Jesus is often... Something so if, if you're meeting somebody, you might say to them early on, Why don't we say a prayer? and you repeat after me, I want to commit my life to Jesus Christ. If they're demonized, a lot of times the spirits will not let them say the name of Jesus, and so they'll just say, I want to commit my life to. And uh, so, these are various ways uh, they can jump up on a table like they're going to attack you, they can uh, wiggle around on the floor like a snake. Uh, these are they're just a lot of different things. And most of these things that they do are to get you sidetracked from helping that person find freedom in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, to scare you, to intimidate you through what they say, uh, to uh, threaten you or your family or the person. So I found that when the spirits begin to speak through a person, it's just good to say, in the name of Jesus, be quiet. Mm-hmm. I don't want to listen to what they have to say because they're trying to get me sidetracked, they're trying to intimidate me, they're trying to get me off, they're trying to get me from helping that person find freedom in Jesus. Right,
0: we will we'll definitely get to some of those practical things yeah. um, just in, in this, even in this interview. Now, I get a feeling from you that um a, a demonized person is really in some way under the control of evil spirits now we know that most of uh, the people in majority world cultures they basically live very close to the spiritual realm you know they you know, they have spirit houses they uh, yes. they constant there's a lot of talk about
1: they dedicate their kids to spirits.
0: Ancestors. There's, yes. it's, I mean, their life is filled with fear, with charms, with evil eye, and all yes. of this. But it doesn't quite mean that they're demonized, right?
1: Well, whose side are they on? Maybe that's a better word. Uh, we know there are only two sides. There's no neutral ground. Uh, and if a person is not filled with the Holy Spirit and committed to Jesus Christ, it's possible that there is a level of demonic activity in their life. Although, sometimes if if they're not trying to come to Christ, the spirits just leave them alone.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, very well. So, it's often said that to disciple someone cross-culturally, and I'm shifting gears just a little bit, we need to help a person to have three encounters. So, our the missionaries out there, they are constantly dealing with, with people coming from... Uh, a lot of different backgrounds and many times filled with the spirit world yes. um, right in their lives. So we are called to help those people have three encounters. One is truth encounter, allegiance encounter, and power encounter. Yep. Um, would you help our audience to kind of help understand this model, this concept? What does it mean?
1: All, first of all, all three are important. Okay. Truth is important because without truth, Uh, it's very easy to be deceived. And Adventists are pretty good at presenting biblical truth. So, that's foundational.
0: So, truth encounter is realizing what is true.
1: That what is true, what is false. And fortunately, Adventists have spoken about the great controversy between Mm -hmm. Christ and Satan. So, that's part of the truth package that is so important Mm -hmm. uh, in, in this area. That people need to know, yes, there's good power and there's evil power. And part of the problem missionaries encounter is in some parts of the world, people believe that spirits can be either used for good or evil purposes. But if it's not the power of God, even if it appears to be good power, if it has an evil source, it will ultimately end up as a disaster. Mm -hmm. And so you have people who say, well, I can go to the witch doctor, my wife can't get uh, children, we need to go to the witch doctor, he can help us have children. But uh, there's usually a consequence to pay down the road where that child often doesn't make it through adulthood uh, and so what Satan gives is often temporary and ends in disaster. So that's truth.
0: That's uh, the truth in right? Uh, okay.
1: Allegiance is uh, also very important because We talk about dual allegiance in in mission circles, where people go to church on Sabbath, but because they don't have children or because they're afraid of curses, they go to the witch doctor at night secretly, and they have this uh, just-in-case type of uh, allegiance uh, to the old spiritual powers. And this can be devastating, because when you're compromised in that way, you don't really have the protection that God wants to give you because you've compromised it. So allegiance is equally important uh, uh, to say like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Though he, uh, we know that God can save us from the fiery furnace, but even if he does not, we will not doubt, bow down to, to because, the, the image.
0: Because their allegiance was to God and yes. to his kingdom. And it wasn't
1: compromised. Okay. So allegiance is also important. And now in Western, in the Western world, I think we have dual allegiance also, mm-hmm. where people are committed to uh, consumerism and materialism and individualism. And uh, we have a lot of isms out there that can capture uh, the allegiance of mm-hmm. people who may not uh, be worried about ancestors and curses and things like that. Very so, interesting. So allegiance is very important. And then power. I think... Most of the people in the world are searching for power. If you go to Asia and Africa, Central and South America, North America, people are looking for power. If you go to a bookstore in North America and look under religion, there's all this stuff on New Age and uh, witchcraft and the Harry Potter stuff has Mm -hmm. created a lot of interest. People are looking for power to control situations, their life, and things like that. And... uh, Jesus is powerful. The name of Jesus is powerful in setting people free. And I think many times we as Christians don't uh, speak much about the power that is found in Jesus Christ to free from addiction, to free from the fear of evil spirits, to free us from from curses and uh, things that uh, witchcraft does to us. Let's just take this a little bit deeper, because
0: okay. where we want to focus Is this power encounter and discipling cross-culturally and uh, especially with the people who are immersed in the spirit world um, it's this power encounter that they need because they are dealing with power with spiritual power in their daily life all the time so um, what is why why is it so essential in cross-cultural work this this power encounter that they need
1: well a power encounter or A power encounter helps a person realize that Jesus Christ is more powerful than the spirits or gods that they worship or fear. Mm -hmm. However, if we just left it at that... If we just tell them the truth, right? (laughs) Yeah, if we just left it at power, let's say that that they get sick Mm -hmm. and they pray to Jesus asking for healing, but they don't get healed. If you just leave it without the other two encounters, and Jesus doesn't heal them, then they go to a, a stronger power source, so-called, another witch doctor maybe, seeking healing. That's why the truth encounter is so important, that they are grounded in, in biblical truth, so they know the difference between good power and evil power. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why that's important. And uh, people in the world are always looking for power, and Cambodia was an example there was a
0: you served in Cambodia so that our
1: audience knows you spent many uh, years we were there there for three and a half years I was mission president and there was a church elder an Adventist Mm -hmm. church elder who had cancer and we had prayer for him we had an anointing service for him and God did not heal him and his family his extended family were all folk Buddhists and they kept pushing him to go to the Krukumai, the the local uh, diviner or healer. And finally he caved in and he went. And they did a two or three day ceremony with him, but he died a couple days later. And I used that example uh, in Cambodia and asked people point blank. I said, if Jesus does not heal you or does not do what you pray for, are you going to go back to the other power source? I think it's very important to let people know that you can't play around with uh, evil power. It's going to destroy you. And once they know about the truth that is in Jesus, that's in the Word of God, uh, it's very important for them to, to have that as their reference point to determine where are these other power sources and what are they, what are they like and what are they, what are they going to do to me.
0: Would you feel that our, really in missions, our problem is a little bit reversed? We do tell them all of these things, but when it comes to a real situation, somehow we lack uh, skills or uh, or maybe knowledge to, to take people through a real ritual where they will feel closer to Jesus, where they will feel that they have been truly prayed for, truly anointed. Um, uh, for healing uh, because that's what their culture expects that expects some kind of power encounter with Jesus is that our problem?
1: absolutely I think we in the West suffer from a bit of deism where we believe Mm -hmm. that God is up there but we don't expect much and so many times we go to the doctor before we pray I don't think it's either or I think we should do both Uh, we often when we pray for sick people uh we don't suggest to them the possibility of having an anointing service i just did that a week about a month ago in my church Uh, a lady had fallen and had a concussion and had she she had headaches and her eyesight was blurred and i said "Uh, have you ever thought of having an anointing well she said i'm not dying See,
0: Very interesting response. Yes. Uh,
1: and I think that many times we don't come up with, uh, like you said, uh, meaningful prayer, meaningful anointing services, meaningful deliverance sessions or house cleansings or house uh, dedications. These are ways we demonstrate the power of Jesus. And uh, a lot of us don't think outside of them the box.
0: So what happens then? what happens when this is true when this is a reality when converts from animistic backgrounds, or folk religion can be Islam or you know Hinduism, Buddhism, with a lot of uh, folk type of uh, practices, when people come to Adventism with this background and little or none of spiritual power uh, is evident is, is they, they, they find none on this side. Uh, When their needs for healing, blessing, guidance and deliverance from demons are not met, then what are we facing?
1: Well, we end up with uh, presenting a cognitive approach to people that are very much into experience. And there's nothing wrong with the cognitive, the truth element. But the Bible is more than just cognitive truth statements. It talks about power. It talks about authority to help people find freedom in Jesus. And we're not so good at that. Uh, So I think that we could do a a better job. I think we as missionaries and cross-cultural workers uh, need to do a better job. It's very interesting. The first three centuries, when most of the people that were coming into the Christian church were coming out of paganism, deliverance was part of the baptismal preparation.
0: Oh, is that right?
1: Where they actually talk to people about the old ways and the old gods, and they would have them renounce, and they would talk about the two power sources, and, and uh, I think that when we're missionaries in these kind of situations today, we should do the same. We should probably need to have cleansing ceremonies for people that have been dedicated to the spirits, and break break the dedications of people who have been dedicated to the spirits as part of the preparation for baptism.
0: Let's take it just a little bit, one one step further. Okay. Teams of missionaries in hospitals, in colleges, universities, our church offices all across uh, many missions contexts, maybe hearing at some point, um, listening to this interview. Um, and clearly seeing all of these issues around them in, in their context, even in the Western hmm. world. Um, what would be your advice? Where can they begin? Learning more, practicing more? If, if nothing is done in this way, where, what would be some of the first steps?
1: Well, it's very interesting you ask that. Adventist Frontier Missions and the Department of World Mission uh, worked together in February of this year, 2019. Hmm to hold a conference and look, we had people from different parts of the world come together and present on on this topic of helping people become more comfortable dealing with uh, the spirit world. Okay. And we put together, from that conference, we put together a little book and I'm down in the show notes, Uh, we'll give you a link. Uh, The book is available, free, online, full text. And uh, there's, there are a lot of helps there. You can also contact me at uh, bbauer@andrews.edu at andrews.edu. Uh, I have a PowerPoint I'm willing to share with people. I'm, ha- I'm very willing to interact with them, talk about the, the situations that they're facing, try to help them, coach them through, uh, mentor them through how they can deal with situations. because. I was in the same boat when I went out I had a B.A. in theology from Andrews University Mm -hmm. I went to Japan I met a young lady who hissed at me I am Satan and I took three steps back and said I'll be praying for you because I was afraid didn't know what to do never had any, any instruction on this and so that's part of the reason why I've gotten involved in this topic I don't like to I don't go looking for this but I think it's very important for all of us who are in mission and ministry to um, know how to help people find the freedom that is available in Jesus.
0: So one step would be to actually immerse um, oneself into some of the resources that, yes. that we've got. That would definitely provide a lot of context yes. and would be helpful.
1: Yes, and then get uh, usually in most parts of the world there are people that are a part of this. If you're really interested, Uh, Seek out a person who is involved in deliverance-type ministries and ask if you can go along with them and join them the next time they are facing a situation. And you learn by watching and experiencing and and things like that. It's an easier way. It's kind of hard to just read a book and then go out and do it.
0: Would you say, Bruce, that... Um, de- being part of a deliverance ministry, I mean, it's 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 advanced. It's a skill that we need, and we probably need to all to have that skill and not to not to shy away. But a lot of the work is actually done in discipling very normal people who are immersed in the spirit world yes. without being on the five, six, seven, eight of the scale, but rather to the bottom side of the scale. But dealing with this every day. So how do we? disciple those kind of people out of the situation Well, uh,
1: saying to the spirits in a person in the name of Jesus I command you to leave Mm -hmm. that's just a tiny little part of Mm -hmm. what this kind of ministry is all about the most important thing you can do for somebody is help them learn how to read the word how to have a prayer life attend a small group uh, listen to good Christian music attend Sabbath school and church fellowship with other Christians what are the things that build our relationship with Jesus uh, it's not enough to just kick the spirits out. The person has to become a committed follower of Jesus Christ. That's, that's the most important thing.
0: Well, with that, uh, we are almost at the end of, um, of this interview, and um, you've mentioned one resource that, is, uh, that has been just recently produced that just came out of a conference, a missiological conference, on this topic last year. But now as we conclude... What would be your um, kind of word of advice to administrators, to leaders, to teachers, those who lead others? Uh, what should they pay attention to as as they strategize, as they set a direction uh, for uh, cross-cultural ministries out there?
1: I think that uh, being ready to minister all the time Maintaining your connection with Jesus is so vitally important. Uh, having a, I, I really believe that any committed follower of Jesus Christ can be used by God to help others find freedom in Jesus. And the the key is that connection with Jesus ourselves. Mm-hmm. Not having cherry sin in our life and it doesn't mean we're perfect, but it means that we're ready to minister spiritually to people, uh, so that God can use us to uh, use us to help people come to know Jesus Christ as the one who could set them free.
0: Wonderful. Bruce, thank you so very much. Okay. We are looking forward, friends, those who are listening right now, we are looking forward to uh, seeing many more downloads of this online book. It is... Uh, fully free, and it's just been recently produced. Uh, It is a wonderful resource that can make a difference in your ability to disciple other people. And if
1: they want a hard copy, they can contact me. We can send them a hard copy.
0: Thank you. In the introduction, I mentioned the Journal of Adventist Mission Studies. This is a flagship journal in Adventist missiology. If you haven't had a chance to browse through, please do check it out. You will find a link to the journal, to the website of the journal, in the episode show notes. In fact, one of the recent issues is fully devoted to the topic of witchcraft. It's titled Adventist Responses to Witchcraft. And as you can see, it's closely related to what we've been discussing today with Dr. Bruce Bauer. Please see the link in the show notes to this particular issue as well. The entire journal is freely available in the digital format from Anders Digital Commons. Now, before closing, today I wanted to mention that we at Institute of World Mission are actively moving into a new work year cycle following a couple of weeks of summer holidays. We're very excited about the many different things we can do as a community to keep growing and serving together, friends. In future episodes of this podcast, I'll be sharing more with you about some of the upcoming initiatives and projects. My name is Alex Ott, and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week.